It's okay if your favorite character was the dog. We all know it's your favorite character. Hey, that's called our end of the year video. Um, if we haven't met, by the way, my name is Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, one of the reasons we send that video and we show it every year at this time is one, we know we're going to get a ton of guests. And we know some of you like didn't end up coming to church, like you came into town and your relatives said, hey, let's go out to dinner. And they pulled in our church parking lot and you're just like, all right, I'm here now. So I'm sorry. You know, Christians are deceptive that way. We're totally that way. So... But it does work. So um, one of the reasons we do it is we, we realize we get a lot of guests. And one of the things we want you to know is if you ever decide to come to our church, and there are a lot of great churches in this valley, or maybe you're here from out of state, one, we want to encourage you to continue to take your next step. And that's just our word for discipleship. Jesus said at the end of, of his tenure here on earth, he said, go and teach people, make disciples, and baptize them. And we take that very seriously at this church. And we want to make sure that we never measure the success of our church by how many people sit in the seats in this building. And so we always want to make sure that it is in front of us that our metric of success is what Jesus said was successful when we make disciples. And we measure that when people give and when they join a group and when they volunteer and they take a spiritual gift class and they start to give to local church with their time, talents, and treasures. And so we always want to make that in front of us. I put that in front of us. And we also want to let you know if you decide that you would like to deepen your relationship with God. And as we head into the new year, you say, I'd like to go for a church. You know, this church doesn't seem so bad. The message was okay. But like, I I really want to come back to this church. We hope that if and when you come here, you go, I know what to expect from that church. They will disciple me. They will teach me the ways of Jesus and I'll become a better Christ follower. So that's what we want you guys to know. And I know I'm about the hundredth person to you, but Merry Christmas to you. All of our greeters have done a great job uh, of doing that. In fact, I want to give a special shout out to the greeters outside. Did you see how they cleared all of the snow out for you guys? There was not a single... Not even, you didn't, there was no way you were going to slip in the parking lot. They are just fantastic. It's like it was never even there. Pretty great. Today is Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, and again, my name is Kyle, and what I want to do is I want to teach you or talk with you, not really teach you, I'm not sure I'm going to teach you anything, but I want to talk with you a little bit about the Christmas story, maybe from a little bit of a different vantage point. You know, there are lots of ways to celebrate Christmas, and often what happens is sometime after October, people begin to put up their lights, at least if they're smart. I'm not that bright. Last year, it snowed in early November or mid-November, and I was literally up on my house with a snowboard helmet trying to put up the lights that my sweetheart, my sweet sweet wife put me up there to put them up. And I was literally considered, I was like, I could snowboard down from here. I could make it to the bottom. But uh, this year it didn't snow, you know, so we can, I could do it really, really late in the season. But Christmas is a season. It is. It's not just a day. It is a season that we all prepare for, we anticipate, that we wait for. And one of the ways the church does it, we just showed you, is with those Advent candles, that we go with hope and peace, and joy, and love. And as we head towards the day of Christmas, we celebrate the season of Christmas because we believe that God brought all of these things to the world. Hope when it had none. Peace, oh, we're still working on that one. Joy, definitely, and ultimately love in sending his son, Jesus. And what I want to talk about in terms of Christmas, especially this season, are the difference between a surprise and anticipation, because those two are not the same. And I brought some definitions for you. A surprise is this. A surprise is an unexpected, astonishing act, event, or thing. Now, we know when Christmas is. It's the same day every year. It may change on which day of the week, but it's always the same date. So it's not a surprise 
in the Christmas season. But sometimes the Christmas season does bring surprises. Like for me, something happened that was surprising this week. Uh, uh, I was out at lunch and uh, just shameless plug for a place called the Tail Dragger Cafe. If you sit there, you can see all the plans. And I'm, I'm sitting there at lunch and my phone is just blowing up. And my, I'm not that popular. And so I was like, what are all these text messages? I get all these text messages and people are saying, if you need me to get those gift cards for you, I will. And I was like, what gift cards? And apparently someone had impersonated me in the email and shot an email out to everybody and said, hey, will you go pick up $2,800 worth of gift cards from Walmart and scan them into me like you do, right? Apparently I'm a very generous fellow. And so this was a surprise to me. So I get out and I'm like, did I send this email? Did I do it? And so we had to send an email out to people and people are like ready. You know, my staff is so incredible. They're like, do you need me to go to Walmart? I was like, please, no, don't do that. So some surprises aren't that great. But an anticipation of something good, I think is even better. Anticipation, this is just my definition, is when you're waiting eagerly for something good that you know is going to happen. Now, what I want to do is I want to I kind of juxtapose that with this, because this is the reason that most people love Christmas. Let me ask you this question. What kind of gift giver are you? What kind of gift giver are you? Are you the person that is done in July? Are those people, like, are you some people who are done in July? I hate those people. Like, they make me feel like a terrible husband, a terrible father, you know, because I'm like, it's December. I got plenty of time. I'll do it. But what kind of gift giver are you? Because this is what most of us are anticipating and looking forward to. Some people are the listers. You know, they just give people a list. I wish people would do that. I'm so bad at figuring out what people would want. And my wife and I are opposite. I say, here's a list. Can you get this stuff? And she's like, nope, not going to get a single thing on your list. I was like, dang it. And then I'll be like, can you give me a list? She's like, nope, I want to figure it out. So I was like, dang it. This is so miserable to me sometimes. But what kind of gift giver are you? And the reason I bring that up is that because God has given us a gift in Jesus Christ, but he doesn't make it a surprise. He has helped us anticipate the gift that he is going to give us for a long, long time, which I hope to show you in just a second. But let me get back to the gift real quick. So let me ask you this question. This will create some tension in the room. A surprise is, I don't know what I'm getting, and I hope it's good. How many of you are like that? You don't want to know what your gift is. Can I say, I don't, I don't ask you to raise your hands very often. You are the people who like surprises. All right, we know who needs prayer. Okay. Anticipation is I know what the gift is, and I can't wait to receive it. Who, who are those people? You want to guarantee it's good. I'm definitely one of those people. Sometimes I even buy my own gifts. I know that's kind of lame. But here's the question. Would you rather be surprised by a gift you hope is good or anticipate something you know is good? That's the tension. Because a surprise can be a good thing. But if you know something is good and you can anticipate it, what I want to do is make the case that at Christmas time, this is exactly what God has done for us through the Christmas story. Because the Christmas story is more about anticipation than a surprise. It's not like God showed up one day and is like, hey, surprise, I know I didn't bring a cake or anything and didn't tell you I was coming, but surprise, I'm here. Have you ever heard any relatives have done that to you? Hey, surprise, we're here. Thank you. God didn't do that. He helped us anticipate. And I think the reason for that is that he wanted us to know how great Christmas was going to be. And so he told us in advance let me just give you a couple of examples here. In Genesis chapter 22, most people would say even in Genesis chapter 2, is that God had begun to orchestrate that his son would come into the world. And he, he gives us a foreshadowing and he peeks into the future and he gives that in the present to human beings. And then they wrote it down so the rest of us could read it and we could have our faith built up because God had said all of this stuff in advance and then he did it. 
So Genesis 22 says, all nations will be blessed through Abraham. And Abraham didn't know exactly what God meant by that, but essentially God was saying, someday from your lineage, Abraham will become an offspring of, of one of your descendants, and he will be the savior of the world. And in Numbers, it says that that person would be from Jacob's line. And if you're a note taker, maybe take some of these down, because we're going to come back to these in the New Testament. And then in Jeremiah, it said that this person would be a king from King David's line. Arguably, King David was the most greatest king that Israel had ever had. One of the greatest kings in the history of all the world. In 2 Samuel, it said that this person would have a kingdom that would never end, which no one could understood because the death rate always hovered at 100%, right? Everyone died. But this king, this king would not only grow up and become a king, but his kingdom would never end. Completely different from all humans that they had ever known up to that point. Isaiah 7 says something interesting that a virgin will be with child, and maybe their science wasn't exactly advanced back then, but they kind of knew how it happened. Isaiah 9, 6 says he will be called mighty God, and they changed the God to give another piece of the puzzle, that the person that would be born would be no mere mortal, that he would be called almighty God. Hosea 11 says that the Messiah would come out of Egypt, foreshadowing when Mary and Joseph, when they would have to flee out of, for their lives because a king at the time wanted to kill all of the children around Jesus' age to make sure that no king could rival his own and they had to flee. And then when he was gone, they came out of Egypt and they quote Hosea to say, out of Egypt, I will bring my son. And then Micah, one of the minor prophets in the end of the Old Testament, says that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. When was the last time anyone got to choose where they were born? It's not a trick question. No one does. God told us what city he would be born in. And then Malachi said there would be a messenger to prepare the way, that God would not only foreshadow all of this in scripture, thousands of years and hundreds of years up until the time of Jesus, but just so no one missed it, there would be a person announcing the birth of Jesus Christ. And then that brings us to the New Testament, the story you and I know pretty well. I just want to highlight a few things here, narrate a little bit, and maybe you'll recognize some of the Old Testament references in the story that we just had. So in Luke chapter 1, an angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and he says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth... Your wife Elizabeth will have a son, and you are to call him John. Now, this is a tremendous favor because isn't naming kids like super stressful? Like everyone has an opinion, right? Like here's what you should name him after your crazy uncle. Here's a middle name. You're like, no, we'll take care of it. And the angel's like, look, we're just going to take all that off. His name is John. And they're like, awesome, sweet. So he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. And I think sometimes parents mix these phrases up when they were hoping it would say to turn the hearts of their disobedient children back to their parents. But it doesn't say that. I'm sorry. It's to make a people prepared for the Lord. So he goes to Zechariah and he says, your kid, because we always think of that there's one baby that we focus on, and rightfully so at Christmas time. But remember in the Old Testament, it said there would be a messenger that would prepare the way that John would be the person to point and help other people turn their hearts back not only to their parents, but ultimately towards Jesus. God was anticipating this for hundreds of years, thousands of years, and then in the moment, the month that Jesus was being miraculously conceived in Mary, also there would be a person before him. 
But then the angels have another task, and so they go to Mary and Joseph. And in Luke chapter 2, it says, Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid. You found favor with God. And you will conceive, and you will give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, who we just saw in the Old Testament. And he will reign over Jacob's descendant, another Old Testament reference, forever. And his kingdom will never end, as 2 Samuel said. And then Mary answers the all-important question, asks, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Now, kids, if you want to have a great conversation on your way home, you should ask your parents this question. Hey, what does it mean? And let me tell you something. Your parents have waited for so long to have this conversation. They've got PowerPoint presentations. They have got pictures for you. Man, they have been waiting a long time. So on your way home, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. If you want to open exactly zero presents, ask this question to your parents on the way home. You know, I, I often wonder why people don't come back to church on Christmas. At least this year I know, <laughs> you know, because I've just said that. But the reason, joking aside, that this is brought up, and this is a pivotal question, beyond the, the physical and the scientific way of explaining this, is that Christmas is so tactile. There's so many things that we can hold on to. There's so many visuals. There's so many things like trees and lights. And in the midst of the Christmas story, is something you can't grab a hold of. It's something you can't see. It's something that you cannot, for the life of you, understand what happens because it is supernatural in nature. Is that the God of the universe decided to impregnate a woman in a way that no one had ever seen before. And it would scream to the uniqueness of the child that she would bear for the world. The Christmas time is not just about what we can see and what we like and what we feast on with our eyes because it's so majestic. It's the invisible God making visible his plans for the world. It's completely different. And so the angel said to Mary and Joseph, the Holy Spirit will come upon her and the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative who you thought couldn't have children, she is going to have a child in her old age. Like, why do they got to put the old age in there, right? The people who are a little bit older, I'm, I think I'm old now, I'm 40, because my kids tell me I'm old, so I think I'm old. And I was like, why has I got to be a detail in there? And so she was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. And for no word from God will ever fail. And then they continue on. The angels continue on. That wasn't enough to just announce. So there's now three groups of people. First, you go, the angels go to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Then the angels go to Mary and Joseph. And now the angels are going to go to the shepherds. And it finishes off by saying, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, which we referenced earlier that Jesus would be born there because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So the angels go out to the shepherds. And they say the famous three words that we've heard from each of these interactions, do not be afraid. It's like they have like an angel handbook and they're like, all right, when you meet humans, you got to do this thing first. Say these first four words, do not be afraid. Humans are easily afraid. We're kind of a big deal angels, I get it. But always tell them, do not be afraid. Maybe because they were frightening in nature. But they go to the shepherds and they says, do not be afraid. For we bring you great joy and a cause for great joy for all people. And it says, but do not be afraid because I give you good news. Because today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, 
the Lord. And they said, this will be a sign to you. And they continue on in the story about where they refined him. And then the band comes out, all these angels come out and they start singing and everything's incredible. And then the, the shepherds get to a place where they say they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph because what the angels had told them was so powerful that it was almost too good to be true. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, the reason this story is so impactful, at least I believe, and this is maybe just my opinion, is because it's not a surprise. God had been planting this idea for generation after generation after generation after generation. He gave them the blueprint of what was going to happen, and people missed it. And this is just my opinion. I think the reason that people miss Jesus, even at Christmas time, is because we don't prepare for him. Let me ask you two similarly phrased questions that are a little different. What have you waited for that was worth it? You had no involvement in it. You did no idea what was coming to you that you waited for, and you just hoped that it was good. There are lots of things. You hope your wedding day is good. You hope starting a new job is good. You hope going into retirement is good. You hope waiting in the doctor's office that the news is good. There are a lot of tension that happens when we just wait. But when we anticipate and when we prepare, it's different. And maybe we could ask the question this way. What have you prepared for that you can't wait to receive? You know, at Christmas time, the things, especially if you're a kid in the room, the thing you can't wait to get, for, get towards more than anything else is the gift. You can't wait to get to it. You can't wait to see what is inside. You hope it's good. You pray it's good. If you're parents, you know it's good because you get your kids good gifts. But what if, what if the anticipation part, what if, I'm not going to open it. <laughs> see, that's part of the problem. We want so desperately to see what's in the box. Surprise me. And maybe the gift of Christmas time is that you know how good God has given you in Jesus Christ. And maybe the reason that Jesus is missed at Christmas time is because we've just been waiting and we have not been preparing our hearts. We haven't been preparing. You know, this is going to sound crazy, but maybe we could say it this way. Christmas celebrates receiving the gift that God has planned to give us all along, and that is Jesus. And maybe for you and your family, before you get to this part, because many of you will open up your gifts tonight, so you open up your gifts tomorrow. Before you go rushing off to this, maybe you gather with your family, you read parts of the Christmas story, and you create some anticipation for the gift-giving time, and you pray together, and you ask God to prepare your hearts. Maybe to say it in a different way. You know, I think for many of you, God has helped anticipate Christmas and anticipate Jesus in your heart. You just haven't, you haven't realized it yet. It's the conversations that you didn't have. It's the invitation to church that people have been giving you. It's the blessings that God has put up in your life. It's the Christian people he's put around you. It's a message on the radio. It's a particular song. It's the amazing peace that you have felt when everything was going uh, on around you. It's God has been helping you anticipate you saying yes to him. Will you prepare for that? You know, in just a minute, I'm going to invite the ushers up. We're going to sing a song that you know very well. The irony is it's called Silent Night. Ain't nothing was silent on that night. 
There were pigs and probably cattle and, you know, Mary and giving birth. Like, it is not a silent affair. But the cool thing about it is the lyrics in this song make us stand in silent awe to God because of how good the gift he gave us in Christmas. So as the band comes out, I'm going to pray for you real quick, and I'm going to have the ushers come down. Feel free to open your eyes during the prayer if you need to when someone's lighting your candle. Don't set each other on fire. Let me pray for you. Hey, Father, I pray that you just prepare our hearts, that you have us look forward to you this Christmas time. Thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. doesn't matter what we get. You've given us too much in your son. Lord, help us recognize all of the ways that you have put yourself in front of us over the last month, over the last year. Help us say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.